President-elect Lai Ching-de visited Penghu on Sunday to thank supporters. Speaking at a press event, Lai promised to support the outlying county's development during his term in office and said he would safeguard Taiwan's sovereignty. I hope you will all lend us your eyes and ears, tell us your thoughts, and help us govern better. I have always been of this mindset. No matter how hard I work, there will always be things that I can't see, can't think of, and can't do well. But we must bravely engage in introspection and seek to improve. You needn't worry, as I will absolutely support Penghu's development. You are all very brave in insisting on democracy. Under threats from China, you still chose to take the right path and not support the candidates endorsed by China. In the choice between democracy and authoritarianism, Taiwanese chose democracy, and the international community praises us for it. Lai visited Penghu's Tianhou Temple and Wenao Zushi Temple to offer prayers. With Inauguration Day still a few months away, Lai is taking the opportunity to meet with supporters and grassroots representatives. Newly elected legislative speaker Han Guoyu has faced criticism for his failure to show up at the legislature on his first day in the new role. Han gave a response on Facebook over the weekend, and fellow KMT members also spoke to reporters in his defense. However, one DPP lawmaker says Han should be more transparent about his activities so as to put the public at ease. Meanwhile, the DPP says it may take legal action after a pan-blue pundit accused it of corruption in the days leading up to the Speaker and Deputy Speaker election last week. For two days, news reports have focused on newly elected legislative speaker Han Guoyu's failure to report for duty on his first day in office. Han on the weekend responded to concerns via Facebook, saying that he'd been occupied by visitors and well-wishers over the past few days. Han said that he had found suitable aides to help out in the interim and said that his focus was now on improving the atmosphere in the legislature and fostering bipartisanship. Over these past few days, there haven't been any legislative sessions, so lawmakers and the speaker were not required to be present in the legislature. I believe Speaker Han had his own things to deal with, so I hope the public won't take this as an opportunity to skew his intentions. In the past, when Speaker Han was a mayor, he supposedly understood the hardships of the people, but slept in until noon. So everyone was curious about whether Han would be any different as the legislative speaker. However, nobody could have imagined that after taking office as speaker, he wouldn't make his schedule public. My suggestion for him is that he show people that he's changed and disclose his schedule for everyone to see. Prior to the speaker and deputy speaker election, pan-blue political commentator Huang Yanming alleged that the DPP had attempted to bribe some KMT lawmakers with tens of millions of NT. The DPP responded that Huang should present any evidence of his claims that he has, or potentially face legal action. I haven't heard anything about money being involved in the speaker and deputy speaker election. The KMT caucus looks highly upon the results of the election and is happy with the solidarity shown among all the party's lawmakers. 
Everyone in the DPP caucus has been furious over the allegations. This is not something to be tolerated. Huang Yangming must present evidence for such claims. We support the DPP Central Committee in dealing with this seriously through prosecution. DPP lawmakers have resolutely refuted allegations against their party and say that they would support legal action taken against Huang. Taiwan Bar Studio is a multimedia platform that produces content about Taiwan. Since 2014, it has produced over 500 animated films and thousands of articles about Taiwan's history and culture. Now entering its 10th year, the team is starting a new project, inviting scholars, both local and foreign, to tell the stories of Taiwan. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to the platform's founders to find out more about their project. In 1895, Japan took over Taiwan according to the Treaty of Shimonoseki. Since 2014, Taiwan Bar Studio has produced over 500 films related to Taiwan. Its content explores over 100 in-depth topics including history, philosophy, law, education, economics, culture, and experimental science. In 2014, uh, we uh, launched this website and uh, invite a lot of young scholars to write about their own uh, research, including myself. So uh, since then, we've been uh, devoted to uh, this uh, public history project. So this time, I think uh, we'll continue our, um, our mission, but we want to upgrade to a different level, uh, so uh, to tell not just Taiwan's uh, people, but the world. A group of four Taiwanese launched Taiwan Bar Studio in 2014 to educate people about Taiwanese history by creating informative and engaging animation. They hope to reach a broader audience. So we like to uh, produce an online platform telling a new Taiwan history. We hope we can combine Taiwan history with the world history and tell the world uh, the uh, past, well, um, thousands of years of Taiwan's past and uh, let the world know more about Taiwan because uh, we can, uh, we see that a lot of people right now are very interested in Taiwan, the current situation of Taiwan, but they may not know that much about Taiwan's past. From a team of only four people 10 years ago to now, I am very moved. I think it's really important to combine these fragments of knowledge into a platform where it can all be edited together. Here, we tell our own stories. Entering its 10th year, Taiwan Bar Studio is launching a new project telling new stories about Taiwan from an international perspective. The project will invite top historians from Taiwan, Germany, the U.S., the Netherlands, Japan, and other countries to share stories and produce content, which will be translated into several languages. By using 10 languages that are widely spoken around the world, such as English, Spanish, and Japanese, we can spread this information abroad. Our content can reach about 90% of the world's population. It will be a multimedia platform. We'll have text, we have images, um, short and long um, videos. We also plan to make a uh, long documentary. Uh, we can uh, hope we can uh, play those videos on a different platforms as well not just our platform, but also on different uh, channels. Taiwan's history is very, very interesting because it's very complex. We have very, a lot of interactions with the world from the Dutch period to um, the Qing dynasty period to uh, the 
Japanese colonial period. We think um, Taiwan's history can be in conversation with uh, um, the history of other parts of the world. Team's members hope to continue to tell the stories of Taiwan. They plan to launch the first stage of the project in September. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Zen Sun Luo in Taipei. UK pop star Ed Sheeran gave a concert at the National Kaohsiung Stadium over the weekend. In addition to the 50,000 fans inside the venue, the crowd in and around the stadium reached 94,000, setting a new record. The city government seized the opportunity and gave out discount coupons for the city's night markets, successfully boosting the income of local businesses. In front of excited fans, Ed Sheeran took the stage at the National Kaohsiung Stadium on Saturday night. The 32-year-old singer-songwriter had on a black t-shirt with the word Taiwan emblazoned on it. Kaohsiung Mayor Chen Chi-mai went backstage to welcome the superstar with whom he took selfies. He then visited the Response Command Center to personally oversee the operations. In order to smoothly transport the large influx of fans, trains were arriving at the MRT World Games station every three minutes. Another 45 shuttle buses were dispatched to transport fans to Zoying High-Speed Railway Station and MRT Kaohsiung Station. The venue was cleared in just 90 minutes. The maximum number of people at a given instance reached 94,646. It once again broke the record set by previous concerts. The concert also set a record for ridership count of the city's MRT. The combined volume of the MRT and light rail was 332,000 people, the highest this year so far. After the concert, many fans headed to various night markets around the southern port city. This is because the city government offered coupons in the amount of 50 NT at six MRT stations to travelers with concert ticket stubs. The coupons could be used at the city's night markets. The concert brought in waves of shoppers and business improved. Not only at Liu He Night Market, but Qingnian Night Market also saw large crowds, and vendors were all smiles. After the concert ended, the crowds poured in. Many stalls collected the coupons. Thanks to the concert, we had many visitors and everyone made a profit. The city government's night market coupons and the crowds visiting the Yellow Ducks art exhibit have given businesses around Kaohsiung's night markets a boost. Last year, night market vendors were shocked by the post-concert crowds that descended on various night markets. This year, the city government seized the opportunity to channel concert goers into local businesses, boosting the economy for the night. Today, we take you to meet the founder of a cooking school, Chelsea Tsai. In 2018, she created a school that teaches people how to make local Taiwanese dishes from scratch. She hopes to educate people about Taiwanese delicacies along with the stories behind each dish. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang joined Tsai in her studio to find out more. First of all, we need some uh, clean oyster mushroom. So we can roughly cut it into big dices. The first dish is three cup mushrooms. First, slice the mushrooms, ginger, garlic, and chili. 
And when we cook with black sesame oil, always start from the cold pan. Otherwise, it might, uh, it's easy to burn. Then add black sesame oil, ginger, mushrooms, garlic, scallions, basil, and chili into the pan and fry them. Lastly, season it with some sugar. Uh, the original version is like three cup chicken, yeah, but the three cup mushroom is for like uh, it's for everyone. You can it's also vegetable uh, vegetarian. Uh, it's also vegetarian friendly. And uh, the three cup uh, dishes, the the key is the three cup sauce. So you need to use definitely use the black sesame oil from Taiwan. And so one cup, or you can use one tablespoon of black sesame oil, and then one cup of soy sauce, one cup of uh, the, the, the rice wine, and a little bit, a little bit of uh, sugar to, to balance the saltiness. Three cup, the three cup sauce is only, I think it's the uh, special sauce in Taiwan. It's not in other like Chinese dishes or not in other region because we have a very nice uh, produce of black sesame in Taiwan. So it's common to use black sesame oil with ginger to make the dishes, like mayo ji, sanbei ji. Okay, so uh, when we talk about the stir-fry dishes in Taiwan, we'll always talk about three cup chicken. This is a sticky rice flour, and we're gonna add some uh, hot water in. Next up are sesame glutinous rice balls. First, prepare some sticky rice flour and mix it with hot water. Next, it is time to flatten the dough. Cut it into small pieces and then add a bit of sesame and butter. Lastly, give them a good shake and then boil it in hot water. This is a typical class with the founder of this cooking studio, Chelsea Tai. And Tangyuan usually we had it, especially for winter time because it can warm up your body. So to make the dough, it's very important to use the, uh, the sticky rice flour. You can also make some tapioca starch to make it chewier. And traditionally, people use uh, cold water to mix it, mix the dough, and then cook par partial of it, uh, uh, boil it to make a, a cooked dough, and mix them together to make the dough chewier. And our version, we are key, um, our secret is that we use the hot water to make the dough. So basically, we just mix the hot water with the, the, uh, all the, the starch. Tai first became interested in gastronomy at a young age. She then earned a diploma in French cuisine from Le Cordon Bleu, Tokyo. In 2018, she decided to open up a cooking studio to teach foreigners and locals how to cook Taiwanese dishes. Her classes don't only teach people how to cook, she also shares the history and other interesting stories about the food. The length of each class varies from two to three hours. So far, her team has taught 15,000 food enthusiasts from over 52 countries. I've been teaching cuisine for over eight years, and since 2018, I started this business. It's a cooking school. We show people how to make Taiwanese dishes, especially the international visitors. So uh, since then, we've been hosting over uh, over 15,000 people from over 50 52 countries from the world, yeah. So we show them how to make the xiaolongbao, beef noodle soup, guabao, durofan, and all the, the, the best Taiwanese dishes. We teach them not only how to cook those dishes, we also show them, we also share with them all the history and how, all the uh, stories. I think that makes us unique because we are not just teaching the technique, we, uh, we share the uniqueness of Taiwan. 
Last December, Tsai published her first English cookbook. The cookbook features 67 recipes, ranging from Taiwanese stir fries and street food to braised dishes, breakfast food, and festival food. We、we'll、try to promote Taiwanese dishes. We found out,、um, I think that the, the the most the beautiful part of Taiwanese dishes, it's it's at home actually. Like when I was child,、uh, my mom always cook.、Uh, Uh, like three dishes, three to four dishes for our dinner, and we can share. We sit down around the table. We share with families to enjoy, like the, the whole fish, like、uh, the stir fry, and like the braised pork. So we want to share that、um, that that the beautiful moments with more people. We want to、uh, make it happen again and again. We talk about like a Bandung、uh, Bandung culture,、uh, like the. The 自助餐 the 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 buffet buffet, and also we talk about the street food culture. Why we we why we start to have so much street food in Taiwan? It's about the temple. It's about the religious, and we also talk about Taiwanese breakfast. Tai also collaborates with government agencies like the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and the Tourism Administration. The team has traveled to many countries around the world to promote Taiwan's food. And culture. We're trying to extend our our influence uh, to uh, a, a larger audience. So now we also work with many、uh, public sectors, like、uh, Ministry of、uh, Foreign Affairs, like Taiwan Tourism Administration, and also we're trying to do some、uh, some collaboration with the bilingual education project. To、uh, to empower more people, more individuals can share、uh, food culture about Taiwan. Not just us, but everyone can do that. I think that's the goal we want to do. Through her cooking studio and book, Tsai hopes to empower more people to share Taiwanese food culture to the world. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Guo Wenhai in Taipei. Now, one for the people of Taichung. A parking attendant in the city has made a reputation as its best urban guide. Zhang Chunlan only became a Taichung parking attendant in her 60s, but she quickly found fame for her endless professional and amiable service. She doesn't just issue tickets; she also helps lost motorists find their cars and directs visitors to the city's best-loved attractions. Come rain or shine, she's out on the streets of the central city, making life easier for everyone. The parking attendant has a device in one hand and a ticket printer in the other. Issuing a parking ticket is simple daily routine for Zhang Chunlan. If you've got a parking dilemma, she's the one to call. Oh, you say what number? If you tell me the number of the space, I know exactly where it is. When motorists don't know where they park their car, I help them find it. When we find it, they're happy, and so am I. Zhang joined the parking management office at Taichung City in her 60s as a contracted parking attendant. To her 172 colleagues, she's Auntie Lan, but she's no less lively in her duties than any of her younger peers. This is a calling. It's a mission and a responsibility, so I have to complete my duties. And when I do, I have a great sense of accomplishment. She can also serve as a guide to the local attractions. 
Sometimes tourists ask me how to get somewhere, or about where to eat or what to see, what attractions are nearby. If it's a place I know, I tell them which popular places to visit. There are lots of fun places in Taichung that you can Google. Zhang is maintaining vehicular order at the same time as promoting Taichung's attractions. After five years at her post, Zhang still has the same passion as on day one. She's not just a parking attendant, she's an asset to the city. Well, the sun came out on Sunday, but it was short-lived. With the arrival of a front, the weather began to change Sunday evening, especially in the northern regions and the eastern half of the island. Rainfall will occur across the island from Wednesday to Saturday and won't let up until the weekend. Let's hear from a meteorologist. We expect this front to pass through Taiwan from tonight to early tomorrow morning, so there's a high chance of rainfall in various places. Starting tomorrow, as the front passes through and the northeast monsoon strengthens, temperatures will noticeably drop. For example, the highs for tomorrow will only be around 20 degrees, and subsequently, the mercury will gradually decline. Starting Monday, temperatures will start to fall. On Thursday and Friday, which is the first part of the Lunar New Year holiday, it'll be wet and cold with lows of 13 to 14 degrees in the north. Other regions will have lows of 14 to 16 degrees. The moisture will dissipate on New Year's Day Saturday, and the lows will climb back to 16 degrees in the north. Other regions will have lows of 18 to 19 degrees.